Hey friends, this is Holly Goodman, and you're listening to Isaac's Autism Wild Podcast, where we focus on topics related to raising loved ones touched by autism and its impact on relationships and family. I'll be sharing some of my personal parenting experiences, raising my son Isaac, who passed away in 2007, as well as an entirely different parenting experience as I now raise my son Caleb, who never ceases to blow my mind with his beautiful autism perspectives. So grab a drink and join me as I interview this week's group of exceptional autism parents. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Isaac's Autism Well Podcast. Today, I have a group of parents that are joining me so that they can provide some insight on gender identity and the LGBTQI plus, oh no, I'm sorry, IA plus community because um, the parents that are joining me have children who are part of this community. So we thought um, actually more and more we're finding that individuals on the autism spectrum are also part of this community. So we thought we should do a podcast on this. And so thank you guys for joining me. Um, Before we hit the record button, I was, you know, we were talking about the LGBTQIA plus, and we were making sure that we had it um, all dialed in so that we could be accurate. In fact, I actually was telling you ladies that I was meeting with one of my friends who's been part of the LGBTQ community for, well, I mean, she's in her fifties. And when I was asking her what some of these other initials stood for, she actually was not any help because she was like, to be honest with you, I don't know because it has changed. It still continues to change, which is actually kind of cool to me that it is still. It, it's really an accepting group and a very diverse group, kind of like the autism spectrum. So I think in that regard, it's very comfortable. I. I it just seems like a very comfortable group because like autism spectrum disorder, our LGBTQIA plus community is also very diverse. So let's start with my first guest. I have two Michelle, so I'm going to say Michelle White. I'm going to pick on you first. So would you mind introducing yourself and then your connection to the topic of gender identity and the LGBTQIA plus group? Yes. Hi, uh, I'm Michelle White and I have a child. Uh, my daughter is 13 that is that is on the autism spectrum. She identifies as bisexual and my other child is 11 and she, or ooh, I just screwed that up. He is transgender boy, which is more recently. And I do screw up very often and I'm still learning, but I do have a transgender son. That's you know, that is actually, I appreciate that because I have uh, a few friends that I've met through our high school who have transgender children and in, and I have made mistakes myself because, you know, you've known some of these kiddos for so many years. It's really difficult actually to switch over and use the correct pronouns. And then of course, with new parents that I'm meeting who tell me that they have a transgender boy and I'm thinking, okay, so that means, and part of it is like, I almost don't want you to tell me that it's trans, you know, of the transgender piece, because then in my brain, I'm trying to remember whether or not I have it. Am I, am I correct? Or am I backwards? You know what I'm saying? So it's really confusing. So I, everyone is very gracious because, you know, you try really hard to use the correct pronouns, but it is a lot to get used to. So if you don't mind me asking, like, how did that, was it something that you were shocked at, or was it something where you were because of your child and just knowing them as well as that you do, that it wasn't really much of a shock when they had the conversation with you about, I mean, bisexuality or even transgender um, questioning their own gender. How did that feel as a mother? Yeah. With my youngest for the longest time, I kind of feel, uh, I felt like she, you know, she was a very girly girl as a younger child. 
but she never like boys. So I always figured she might be a lesbian eventually in her life. And early, early this year, my child decided to start going by they, them, that, uh, the non-binary. So, so one day my kid would wear maybe female clothes. One day I'd be in masculine clothes. And then after a while of identifying that or going through that, we went with a name change and go by Ash. And actually he's more wearing boy clothes hundred percent of the time. And that has been the most comfortable for him. And he's felt the best and been the happiest I've ever seen. And it's hard for, you know, being the younger child of, you know, older child that's has autism. And so, you know, I was, you know, he's just trying to find his identity right now and I'm, he's really happy. So that he has changed his pronouns to he, him. Yes. Okay. Yes. And how has it been with the name change? Has it been hard? Ash. I don't mind Ash. I I just use that word all the time and I don't screw up the name. Everybody else does. And that's really hard, but a lot of people are not accepting at all, including my parents and, you know, their biological dad, which they don't really have much contact with, but there's a like huge amount of people that are just like, Nope, that's not your name. And you're a girl. So yeah, it's really hard. Can I ask another question? Do you yeah. feel like, cause you are my, my, one of my Idaho mamas. Yep. Do you feel that because Idaho is much more conservative. I mean, sure. Eastern Washington is also conservative, but I feel like we still have a, a large present presence of, of those that are more liberal that are accepting. So is it harder being in North Idaho, because, you know, full disclosure, well, I'm an outsider yeah. looking in and I would feel like that would potentially be an obstacle, an additional obstacle for acceptance. Sure. You know, honestly, it's, it's all I know right now. So, you know, yeah, it's not the best community. And yeah, my parents were raised here. You know, my dad's from Hayden, my mom's from Wallace. So, you know, we're from here, but you know, there, my aunt, I have an aunt in Seattle and an aunt in Portland and they're like the most accepting and they grew up here too, you know, and they're the most accepting. They use the correct pronouns, the correct name, and they just support my child. And we know when bad things have happened with like, say my mom saying bad things, they were like, Hey, I love you. I'm sorry. You're, you know, having a hard time with your grandma, but we're accepting of you. And, you know, they live in more liberal cities of Seattle and Portland. So from what I understand, there may be a lot better chances of having acceptance in those cities. But for now we're in, you know, Idaho and they're going to school in Idaho and it's going to be rough. I know it's going to be rough. So are there other kids your child's age, his age that are transgender or is it something, is it, is it a smaller group of people? It's a probably a fairly small group compared to maybe bigger cities or Spokane, but in their own school, there are quite a few kids that are, you know, exploring that. And especially because they're going into middle school, there are quite a few that are exploring it right now. And so it's a little more accepting I talked to the school and they were like, okay, cool. We'll talk, you know, we'll work on, you know, the name identification. So I, I think we've come a long ways in Idaho, but we're not on the same level as a lot of other cities. 
Yeah, I, I get you. Now with your, um, it's interesting because so your other child who's 13, who is on the autism spectrum, she is bisexual. Yeah, she that actually I hear is actually it's it, that I hear I'm hearing a lot more of because, again, it's, you know, as my friends who are part of this community say, it, you know, it's love is love and you love the person. It's not the gender that you fall in love with. And so it's more of the you love the person, not the gender. And so it's all very fluid in terms of who your partner is sure. at different points in time. So um, how about that experience? Is that was that a surprise to you or not really? Not really. I, you know, I'm pretty open to all of that. Violet is, you know, she's had crushes on boys and she's had crushes on girls and hasn't really, she's 13, but very immature. So hasn't really dated or had any like boyfriend, girlfriends yet. So her experience and that's very limited. She more kind of has a crush on people that are friends and people that are close to her. So she has more of that she likes people that are safe and comfortable. That, yes. you know. Well, that's exactly it. And, you know, and, and let's be real. Some of the safest, most comfortable people for me growing up were females. I mean, I was in a women's fraternity and again, you know, the comfort of the women that we, I became friend with, I mean, I can understand, you know, the, the bisexuality because, um, it's who you're, you feel safe with. And so, yeah. um, now, um, she has crushes on boys and girls. I have a lot of families and I was actually trying to get another parent to participate whose child is more asexual. Like they really identify as asexuality in terms of they're not really attracted to any gender. It's like that part of their brain is, it's not that they don't have friends and relationships, but it's just their brain isn't wired to have that attraction necessarily. And so I find that I I was trying my hardest to find somebody that could come on and talk to that. So maybe one one of my other families that I, that's joining me tonight has some experience in this, but I'm going to actually move over to Michelle because I was my other Michelle, Michelle Johnson, who's joining me today because I've got two Michelles. Um, Michelle, you have a, a group of children. And um, I know just from us being Facebook friends, and we've never had a conversation, but I, you have been more it, with some of like the comments from your friends who are very supportive of you. I gather that because of pronouns that you have a child that's in your family that um, uses more neutral pronouns. Is that right? That is correct. So Aiden is in, well, he's going into high school now. But about seventh grade, he came to us and he just came home one day and was like, uh, I'm non-binary. And I had zero experience with that. So I had to do a lot of research to educate myself on where that e- what that even meant and how Aiden even knew what that was. Same as Michelle, we haven't really had a lot of experience with dating or anybody of any gender. I didn't even think that was even a blip on his radar Except we did have one girl, like when we first got to middle school and it was like such a traumatic experience that I was like, we're probably never doing this again. Like (laughs) we ended up texting a girl like 178 times in a row and telling her we loved her. And I was like, oh no, no, we can't do any of that. Yeah. (laughs) That's stalking behavior. Okay. That's great. Uh, Luckily that girl moved away. So we didn't have to deal with that anymore. Oh, aren't you like so relieved? It's just like, oh my gosh, that problem. Thank God that self-corrected because otherwise it's going to be very awkward for every day moving forward. Seriously. Oh. But I was very thankful that like 
you know, he came to us and he had that conversation and he did the same thing. He went through a name change and um, we changed over to Alex, which was more gender neutral. Mm-hmm. Alex could be girl or boy name. And I, same thing as Michelle, I really struggle with the pronouns. I really try to be good about using they and them. And I, I slip up probably every single day and You know, it's interesting because he's kind of, I don't want to say necessarily grown out of this phase, but it doesn't seem to be necessarily something that's major importance for him. But through COVID, we've watched a lot of TV shows that I think have been more open. And we obviously went through the whole Schitt's Creek phase, which opened up a lot of conversations for us as a family. And I appreciate that Aiden was very open and honest about talking through those situations with us and going through a lot of those encounters. And he was, you know, we try to be very open and honest about those things just as a family, because the way I grew up, we didn't have kind of conversations, didn't talk about relationships. We didn't talk about body growth and hormones. It was like, here's the book. If you have questions, let me know. And so as a parent, I really try to be open and honest with my kids. Even sometimes I'm cringing on the inside, having some of these conversations, (laughs) but, and sometimes we have to Google because same thing, like sometimes I don't know what the letters mean, or I reach out to friends who are in that community and just say, okay, what does this necessarily mean? Am I explaining this correctly? Cause I want to make sure I'm obviously giving the right information as much as I try to educate people about autism. I want to be able to do the same thing for other communities who want to be represented. And so we've been able to have a lot of conversations. Same with Michelle though. You know, I, my dad's like, absolutely not. I am not calling you anything else except your name, unless you would legally change it. And I think honestly, a lot of that I think could be a generational thing. I tried to show my, obviously my support for Aiden and I made him a shirt that we saw online and he just absolutely fell in love with it. And it was like, I think it says error 404 gender, not found. (laughs) (laughs) He picked the font color for the vinyl. Like, I mean, he wanted that as big a font as I could possibly make that. And he still wears it and absolutely loves it. But I almost, I don't want to necessarily say he's kind of grown out of that phase, but from my understanding is Aiden had a friend that was non-binary in school, in middle school. And I think that kind of helped shape and mold his decision to go that route. I tried to get him involved in some communities in Spokane that were non-binary. There were people on the spectrum there. You know, it they basically do like an online chat just because of COVID. We can't obviously do social meetups. But unfortunately, that impacted his computer gaming time. So the computer gaming won out over the aspect of socialization. Yeah. So <laughs> I get I have- it. I have to go with where his heart is. And if it's for computers and, and coding and all of that, then I, it's a lost cause. <laughs> well, you know, what's funny about this is I think it's so great because when you take to, you know, the internet to try and find research and, and then also too, you reached out to people that, you know, that are a part of this community. And I had done that too, because, you know, I've had, you know, other friends who have children that are, you know, just exploring their sexuality. And it's so funny because people always go to, my friend Bridget, who again is in her 50s saying, oh, you know, hey, would you talk to my daughter or such and such? And Bridget will say, oh, are they asking to talk to someone who's gay? And they're just like, well, not necessarily, but it might be helpful. And she's like, trust me, if they have questions, they'll find us. You know what I mean? Because again, I think parents are really trying to 
number one, show that you're supporting of this. And so you're, you know, trying to get information, but like Bridget says, you know, like, I don't know that your kids really want to talk to a woman in her fifties who's gay. You know what I'm saying? And that there's a lot of other valid sources for them to be able to explore their sexuality. That's not talking to someone that's in their fifties, who's, you know, been gay for umpteen years. And so what they do though, is like kind of what you said is that he had a non-binary friend who kind of made him start, you know, like wondering about these things. And that's really, you know, they will kind of find their own community or those that are like them, but it's so much better when they find those that are in their own peer group that are, you know, in this, in this, you know, community that of course, you know, like Bridget saying, I'm guaranteeing that your, you know, 13 year old child is not going to want to talk to me about, you know, like the LGBTQ community. So I was just, I was now I'm kind of like, but that is so, you know, I think it's, it's not overcorrecting, but that's just so mom, right? Because again, when our kids got diagnosed with autism, what did we do? We immersed ourselves in everything autism because we have to learn as much as we can, right? So I love that you brought up Shit's Creek because I'm not going to lie. Love, love, love that show. And the thing that I think I love the most, oh yes, you got your, you're representing with your shirt, your shirt. <laughs> I love it. But the thing I love about that show was his family, so accepting, not even believing Blinking an eye. It was just like, you know, that was their life. And it didn't matter with he was, you know, because early on in that um, series, of course, it, he had a kind of a little, you know, fling with um, what's her name? I can't even think of her name now. Hey. Yes. Um, and then, of course, he found his true love. And so the thing I loved about it was his parents were just kind of like, you know, whatever makes you happy. And I think that was the thing about the show that I loved the most is just that it was just so, um, it, and it wasn't something that had to even be discussed because it was just there. That was them as a family and so accepting of just, you know, individual choice and who you love, who you love. So I love Shits Creek. Fantastic show. Well, I will say one of the biggest things I think I struggle with the most with this is that. If for years and years and years and years and years for as long as I can remember, Aiden has loved wolves. That is his diehard obsession. And he owns lots of wolf ears and lots of wolf tails. But he's, I don't want to say necessarily embarrassed. He will wear them all day, every day with our family. But the minute we go out in public, if we go into a store, he hides it in the car. And he puts like a sweatshirt on top of it. So like nobody walking by can look at it. And I've, I've tried to explain to him, I was like, you realize like everybody wears this at school and no one is going to blink an eye. No one is going to care, but he gets very self-conscious about it. Yeah. And so it's interesting for me, you know, on the parent side to try to be supportive of it and be like, dude, be you, wear it. If you want to wear the wolf's hair, we'll wear it. If you want to wear the ears, wear it. Like, I, I don't care. But he just, for whatever reason, that's just something he wants to keep to himself. And I mean, he sleeps in that stuff. He sleeps in the wolf tail. We have multiple colors and matching sets. And he actually took his Christmas money last year and bought a furry suit. <laughs> Good for him. I, I actually kind of want to see it because I've heard of furry, like furry suits. And I'm just like, well, now like I just, I want to see one. Like, I just feel like that's kind of cool. But, oh, I'll send you the pictures. And it okay. was one of those things where I was like, okay, does he, does he just like the wolf costume or does he know the deeper meaning, like the different communities? And so I was like, I don't know at what point, like, do I have that conversation with him? Do I not have that conversation? Yeah. It was such a weird place to be in, but he found it online himself. He sent it to me and he was like, this is what I want to buy. And I was like, oh, 
okay, if that's what you want to spend $200 on, like, I hear you. Okay. So I had a similar experience with my son, Caleb. It wasn't like an animal thing, but you know, everybody knows who's been Facebook friends with me um, and followed my life's journey is my son, Caleb was obsessed with Spider-Man and he wore his Spider-Man super suit every day of his life for years. Like I have still some of his old super suits that have no elbows and knees because they were just worn so much. And then, you know, and when he was younger, he would wear it everywhere to the store everywhere. And then, um, you know, and he was very proud of it. It was like, he was so much more confident wearing the super suit than without. And then there was just this one developmental place where he was older. I mean, he was in elementary school and he wore it someplace and someone made a comment and he went home, he took it off and he never put it on again. And it just absolutely broke my heart because, you know, for him, that Spider-Man suit really gave him a lot of courage and he was more brave and was willing to try more things when he was wearing his super suit than when he would do without it. And then it was just like one day he was just more cognitively aware of the comments that was made in public. And then he never wore it again. And it just still makes me sad. Still makes me sad. So anyway, I'm going to move on to my next guest, Angela. Hey. Hey, Angela, why don't you introduce yourself and explain your connection to the gender identity and our LGBTQIA plus community? That's a mouthful. Isn't um, it? I'm trying hard. I'm trying hard to like get them all correct. Same. Okay. I'm Angela. Got two kiddos. My son, Josh, on the spectrum, he'll be 13 in November. So I'll have two teenagers, which is weird. And my daughter, Robin, she's 14. She starts high school in like two weeks. So nutty. Oh my gosh. I don't like it. But anyways, so my connection to uh, the LGBTQ plus more consonants is uh, my daughter. So about let me see. I, I have the funniest story about her that I love sharing because when she kind of came out, sort of, they were having spirit week at school. It was December and they were doing an ugly sweater. She didn't have an ugly sweater. So I was like, crap. Okay, fine. Go shopping for ugly sweaters. And so I come home. I'm about to show her this sweater. She goes, mom, am I a lesbian? And I was like, huh, I, I don't know. Um, that's for you to decide, not me. And let me know when you figure it out or when, I don't know, you want more questions or whatever. And then I was like, I got you a sweater. So I pull a sweater out of the bag. And this was like the end of that conversation. And she didn't bring it up for a bit, but, uh, I was so like freaked out, not because of her figuring out if she was a lesbian or not. It was just more of like, did I answer her question right? Did I make her feel valued? Did I make her feel like that this conversation is okay? Is she going to bring it up again? Like I was more just like, did I validate her? And so I went to like, we did, uh, I went to like everybody I knew who was uh, in a same sex relationship. And I was like, okay, this is what happened. Here's how I responded. Did I do this wrong? And they were like, oh no, it's great. And so ever since then, it was like, kind of, she's like, I don't know if I'm a lesbian or bi. And I was like, is it? I was like, I don't know the difference. Okay, fine. And then we just kind of like, uh, I grew and she figured it out. And she had a little bit of, of like gender identity stuff where she wanted to be non-binary and she wanted to figure that out. But when her and I talk about it, it just correlated when she was like at a really low, like mental health space. And it was like, we were back to school. It was, we're still 
in the midst of a pandemic. She was still distance learning and she was just having a really hard time. And she's like, I don't know where I fit in. I don't know where I belong. So that became like, she's like, well, maybe it's a gender thing. So we kind of toyed around with that. And, um, but her and I just have really open and honest conversations about it all. And even when I don't get it, I'm like, dude, I, I don't understand. Like, help me. I was like, is it kind of like this? Is it kind of like that? And so we have these really open and silly conversations about it. So officially, as of now, and I think this is her happy place, she is pansexual, which brings up like the uh, David Rose stuff. Um, Then, and her pronouns are she, them, but mostly on she. She's like, I don't care what pronouns you use. It's fine. So she's kind of indifferent about it. So she tends to dress like a mixture of femme and mask. She wears like more uh, t-shirts and polos, hoodies, but then she has like skinny jeans and stuff. So she's kind of back and forth. But uh, it was funny because I was trying to explain it to somebody. And I love the Shit's Creek quote where how they're explaining how what pansexual is and how it's it's more into the wine and not the label. And it's my absolute like favorite part of the series. And so when I was trying to figure out a way to explain it to Robin in more age appropriate way, I was like, okay. I was like, it's like a bag of Skittles. You love all Skittles of every color, shape, size. Some people just like red Skittles and some people like red and orange or some people were born a red Skittle, but then they wanted to be a yellow Skittle. And she was like, yeah. And then this like light bulb popped up in her head and she was like, that's it. That's exactly what it is. So, I mean, we just, we have these like wonderful, like open conversations and I don't know, it's just really funny. And her, she's a grouping of friends, also part of the community whose families aren't super accepting. And I'm just like, I was like, what, what do you want? Like as a parent, like I asked my daughter and I'm like, do you like that? I'm like chill and not like the super rah-rah about it. That was just kind of like a normalize it. She's like, yeah, totally. So we just, we've always tried to have very open and candid conversations with each other. So even when it came down to figuring out a sexual identity, like we just kept it consistent. Nice. So now when we had Michelle uh, White tell us that it's been hard for her parents and they're not wrapping their hands and embracing this necessarily. And Michelle Johnson mentioned that her dad has had some problems. So how has that worked with like your husband and then maybe your extended family? How have they dealt with it? So my husband, he is accepting, but he is, he's part of like an older generation that he's like, well, he's like, that's fine, but you he, he believes that she's too young to really understand it. And I was like, no, she is. And then he went on a bit like, oh, this is just a phase. It's just because of this. And my feelings are like when people are like, oh, this is a phase. I'm like, well, even if it is, shouldn't we honor it? Yeah. Uh, like when I was growing up, like if you had like a punk phase or a, a goth phase or a preppy phase, our parents honored that. So what's the difference? At least that's how I feel. And that's how I kind of explain it to others. And then they kind of like, oh, well, I guess I was like, so even if we have this thing where older generations are like, this is just a phase, this is just because peer stuff. Well, fine if it is, but we should still validate them even during this quote phase, or even if it's not, 
I was like, does it really matter? Should we have this conversation? No. So her grandparents, we've tried to explain it to them. They don't get it. So I'm just like, Robin, they're not going to get it. Sorry. Uh, How much time do you want to spend on this? I mean, yeah, or just let's just let it go. Exactly. And she's like, yeah, you're right. (laughs) Ah, that's true. Well, and, you know, I've had, uh, again, you know, I work with a lot of different families and I won't, I'm not going to lie and poo-poo and deny the fact that I would say that I am seeing a larger group of young people who are becoming part of this community. And I will say that, yes, some of them are on the autism spectrum. I will say that, but believe it or not, the larger number of them tend to be the neurotypical siblings. And so when someone asked me the question, well, do you, I, that's just proves that it's attention seeking behavior, that this is a reaction to having brothers or sisters by, with autism. And I'm kind of like, possibly, or that, you know, again, perhaps that these thoughts have always been there in young people for eons, but it wasn't a safe place for them to be able to talk about it. And so then, of course, like my friend Bridget, you know, didn't actually come out of the closet until she was much older because like there was just no discussion, no safe place for that exploration to have happened in those younger years. So I'm curious, um, I'll start with Michelle White. Like, how do you feel about that? Because again, I can't, you know, dispute it. I can't lie and say that, yeah, there's not, you know, like a higher, maybe there is a higher number of those kiddos that are in also our autism community, whether they're siblings or actually individuals on the autism spectrum. I don't necessarily know that I'm comfortable saying it's attention seeking behavior. Like, so how do you, how do you wrap your head around that, Michelle, or kind of how do you, where do you fall on that? You know, it's a really hard one. I've been trying to like figure it out for a while because it's such a new thing and there's so many kids going through it. So, you know, I've been wrapping my head around it. Like, is it attention seeking? But we've always been attention seeking. I was goth, you know, like. I know you put that in the comments and I'm like, oh my God, that would be so great. Post a picture is what I was going to (laughs) post. Oh God, I will. It's so funny. You know, but I had a cousin that was goth. So I was like, oh, I'm going to emulate her. It's cool. You know, that was an older cousin, you know, so we're dealing with these gender identity. And I almost feel like it's similar to the you know, when we tried to like dress goth or whatever back in our day, cause I'm like 37. So, you know, back in our day it's a baby. and baby. it's almost like in it now that kids are expressing their identity with, you know, different clothing, that's not of their typical gender, but then they feel like they have to label it to be it, you know, where we were just tomboys or whatever. And now it's like, no, I'm a boy because I wear boy clothes. Okay. You know, so I'm just at this point, we always have done this, but now it's got labels. There's a lot of labels to it. I see it too. Okay. I think of the movie Grease. One of the biggest pieces about that is you have this cute little young lady who then of course hooks up with these, you know, bad boys. Right. And I love the final scene where she comes out and she's all in her, you know, like badass clothes, you know, and that's the thing is, is that again, clothes for a long time have kind of, you can watch like back in my, I was, you know, went to school in the 90s. You guys are a little bit younger than me, but um, so when I went to school in the 90s, there was the stoners, there was the goths, there was yeah. the jocks, there were the cheerleaders, right? So clothing has always been kind of a um, you know a tool to for self expression. But now it's just being, you know, I, I guess because some of the the clothing trends tend to be more binary, you know, um, 
Yeah. It's just a more, there's just more conversation about it. Well, there's a lot of social media and even books. Like my kids are really into manga and which is Japanese, you know, the, the anime books. And so there's a lot of like non-binary and gender transition things in, you know, those books and on social media. And it's, you know, I, that could be an influence also. So there's, and I think that rightfully so in the sense that if it's comfortable and if you're not feeling comfortable in who you are, then to me, I have no objection to it because, you know, I think all of us, when we were in our younger years, we're trying to figure out like none of us were comfortable. I, I, I would be the first one to tell you that I was trying to fly as far under the radar as possible. I did not want to make a bleep because I did not want any unnecessary attention. Right. I'm mm-hmm. um, so part of it that I love about this group is, is that they're like, I'm not afraid to figure this out and, and be me at a young age, as opposed to trying to like, I didn't know who I was until I was 40 people, 40 40 years old, um, which is just so sad to me. So like, I really see this as a celebration of like, yes, figure it out younger so that you aren't feeling like you're trying, you're forced to be something that you're not. Um, so I really love the fact that we are giving these young people a safe place to be able to have these conversations. There's an entire community that's supportive of it. You know, there's parents like, you know, us that are saying, yes, like, Hey, you know, we're cool with it. It's if we could just get some of the older people in our lives to just be a little bit more compassionate, but I'm going to ask the same question to Michelle Johnson. Hopefully we're able to hear the question. Cause I know you've had some internet question. My question was, you know, is this truly attention seeking behavior or do you think this is just young people that are truly trying to figure out themselves? I have to think it's more young people just trying to figure themselves out. I think we as a society, as parents, we're more in that generation where we're a lot more accepting. I will say, I, you know, we had a situation, we were playing a game of life one night and you know how you get to the point where you get married. Yeah. And I, I appreciate my husband. You know, he looked at Jackson, who's also on the spectrum. He's 10 and he goes, oh, do you want a husband or a wife? And he goes, well, I want a husband. And my youngest son goes, you don't want a husband. He goes, that means you're gay. And he goes, Yes, I do. And we just stopped him and said, Hey, it's okay. If he wants to have a husband, he can have a husband. He can marry anybody he wants. Well, he doesn't know what gay means. I was like, but he does because we've had a lot of conversations. So if that's what he wants in his car, he can have that. And I, I felt really bad because, um, bio dad had taken him for a couple of days last week. And I may have forgotten to mention that conversation. So I get a random text. It's like, uh, really concerning thing. But, you know, Jackson just mentioned that he might be gay. He's like, has he said anything to you? And I was like, oh yeah, by the way, that came up in a game of life. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> you almost like, <laughs> uh, how do you I like do it? Because I, I will say, you know, bio dad was never very accepting of that stuff. He was the dad that, you know, if he picked up at daycare and they were wearing dresses and heels during daycare, he would like, completely freak out and be like, Oh my God, put a football in that kid's hands. Oh, like yeah. things yeah. like that. Yeah. And it's like inject them with a lot of testosterone type activities. Perhaps we can get those tendencies right. to, to fade. Yeah. I get it. 
But I, I understand. I resonate with what you're saying about Caleb wearing his Spider-Man costume. I don't know if you saw my post from last night. We did, I did which I love it. Actually, I, on a side note, we're going to talk later because I just have all of these thoughts about kind of that experience. So, um, so go ahead and explain. Yeah. Explain what happened last night. Cause it was very cool. Like I got a little teary this morning when I saw it. Oh, I did. I, I was, I literally was like, okay, I just have Jackson this week and he loves sports. He is my sports kid. And I am literally the least likely person to understand sports, play sports, watch sports. But I knew he loved the Indians games. And so last night was costume night. And the best two things that Jackson loves in his life are costumes and sports. So this was like the absolute perfect. And he came to me with this costume idea and I went, oh, shit. Okay. I have like a week to put together a costume. I typically would have two more months to create, but you know what? We're going to do it. And it was like a YouTube video on how to make an Among Us character costume out of cardboard and felt and a lot of glue sticks. Oh my God. It was fantastic. And we went through different prototypes. It was crazy. It was absolutely crazy, but it was, I, it was one of those things where like, as a parent, I saw all the flaws in the costume, but this was literally the coolest thing Jackson has ever worn. And so I didn't think anything of it. I was like, there was, very little attendance last night for the game. And I don't know if it was smoke related or just people had better things to do with their time, but the response from other kids, oh my gosh, was the coolest thing and the most heartwarming thing to see as a parent. Jackson struggles with social situations. That is no joke. Like he has massive anxiety and he has come to me and, and, you know, been very heartbroken about the fact that he just doesn't feel like he has friends. And I've mentioned in other podcasts that the one time, you know, we did find a friend we connected with, there was some bad situations occurred where the other parents are not watching or monitoring what's going on. And it just wasn't a good situation for Jackson. And so it's like the one friend we connected with just didn't end up in a good situation. Last night, that costume allowed him to Oh my gosh. It was just the coolest thing. Like at one point we go down to kid zone because he was doing, all he wanted to do was walk around and show off this costume because everybody is stopping him to tell him how cool it was. And I mean, we're talking middle school students are stopping him and being like, black is sus, black is sus. I watched you vent. You're the imposter. I mean, everybody was getting into it and it was, there was a very small margin of people who actually understood the game. There was the older generation that had no idea what was happening. The younger kids had no idea what was happening. But when we stepped into that kid zone, I had no less than 15 kids swarm him and be like, oh my gosh, this is the coolest costume. You are so awesome. Can we hang out? Can we play? And it gave him like a safe barrier to have all these kids approach him. We watched so little of that game. I could not tell you a single thing that happened except for like half an inning because all he wanted to do was walk around and show off that costume. And it was, it was just the coolest moment as a parent to see that happen. Like the same thing. I got super choked up, super teary eyed. And it was just like, wow, amazing experience for us. For somebody who obviously is struggling with his identity, who has already, you know, at 10 years old said he wants to have a husband, you know, I, I don't know what that path is going to look like for him. Are kids going to be accepting is, you know, school's already rough as it is as a kid on the spectrum. And it can be very challenging with other kids. So it's like, now are you just like doubling down on that or kids going to be really cool about it? You just don't know as a parent. So to get to witness that firsthand, I just, 
I, it was just such a heartwarming moment. I was like, it was worth all the glue gun burns that I suffered in the last week. I was going to say that was incredible. You did a really good job. Like I was so proud to see that. Like I got teary as a parent and it reminded me when you posted that and you kind of, you, you provided that narrative. There was a time where we were doing, it was an event for Isaac foundation. It was, it was a fashion show. It was a benefit for the Isaac foundation. And he didn't want to be in the fashion show, but he wanted to wear his five nights at Freddy um, Foxy costume. And so I was just like, you know what? At that point I was like, you know what? I don't give a shit. Fine. Do it. Whatever. He wasn't part of the run. He wasn't part of the event, but he wanted to wear it. And I was like, who am I to sit there and tell him he can't like, whatever. Like, so it's same sort of thing. I brought, when I read that, it took me back to that night where Caleb was totally transformed because he had a mask on, but all these kids are running up to him, wanting to give him hugs. And, you know, he was being so much more outgoing and so much more adventurous in terms of being put, putting himself out there that I was like, wow, like, isn't that an di- interesting transformation? And again, same sort of thing with his Spider-Man costume that he used to wear everywhere. And so I was telling, you know, my friend, I think it was Andrea, actually, I was just like, you know what, actually this like maybe gives me hope that maybe he could be like a school mascot at some point, because like, again, he loved every minute of it. And the kids really loved that interaction. And he had kids coming up and holding his hand. He was wandering around with them, which is part of what I was thinking, you know, we have to create more opportunities for them to do that kind of thing. So anyway, that was what we were going to talk about later, but before I get to that piece, but Angela, I wanted to ask you the same question. When we talk about, you know, attention seeking behavior versus just trying to find identity, do you like, how do you feel about that? Well, I think like we always initially go to, oh, this is attention seeking. I think that's always like our initial response yeah. to something out of the ordinary. But I I really want to believe that we, because as autism families, we're open and accepting of the whole spectrum. We're like, yeah. regardless, I was like, autism is autism. Low functioning, high functioning doesn't mean crap to us. We're like, you, you got autism. Cool. Welcome to the club let me get you a bottle of wine, Um, (laughs) a bottle, you know, as we say the bottle, we're not talking about glasses here, people. We're talking about bottles. Just get straight to it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I want to believe it's because we're so accepting of this. And we talk about like neurodiversity that it just comes hand in hand with like gender diverse stuff and being accepting of other communities because it just, it just makes sense, at least to me. That, that if we're so open to disabilities and regardless, like even the most recent Isaac shirt, normalized differences, like that's what we believe. That's our, for, like our firm core. So doesn't that go across everything? Yes. But like disabilities, wheelchair, walker, autism, like super low function autism, super high function autism. Well, let's just, let's just be accepting of all of it because it's, to me, it's too much work to differentiate like this and that it's like most of my daughter's friends their families they they have this belief like it's okay if you're like lesbian or bi but I don't understand all this other stuff you can't be trans you can't oh. be this and I'm like what it, it's the whole it's it's a whole thing that's like saying you're okay with low fun- or high functioning autism versus low functioning that's a load of crap you need to be like accepting of all of it and there's no you can't you can't just do that. That, I don't know. It's just, it's well, we don't, we can't pick and choose what yeah. we're accepting of and what we're not, we're going to consider to be normal and out of bounds and what is going to be accepting and okay. And that's, I, yeah. I, I'm with you there is that, you know, it gets a little convoluted when we start qualifying our acceptance and where we do that. So yeah. um, I completely work. 
I have to tell you too, Michelle, I'm so glad that when you guys play the game of life, you're open like that too. Because in our family, we always ask, Hey, do you want to be married to a boy or a girl? Like, you know what I mean? Like, and sometimes like the kids will ask me, mom, do you want to be married to a boy or a girl? So I really actually like, you know, put some thought into it. Like, well, let me think today. Hmm. I'm going to go with, I'll I'll go, I'll go with the boy this time. You know what I mean? Because I want to make it, you know, my thought is, is that, you know, like I want to make it seem as though I put some thought into it and like, you know, again, you know, but that's the thing is that we ask that same question. I think it's very cool that in this day and age, you know, like um, the game of life can provide that opportunity where we just, or, you know, it's just a commonplace thing. I don't really care. Well, do we have any final thoughts, Angela, before we wrap up this episode on the gender identity and the LGBTQ, I'm just going to call it plus because it's a lot to say. And I nailed it at least once tonight. So I'm feeling pretty proud and accomplished. You did awesome. I guess my final thoughts are I, I, I talk to your kids, be honest and open and be candid. I mean, that's how I am. And when I don't get something, I was like, dude, I don't get this. And so we just, and even with like my daughter's friends, I, I'm super honest and candid and we just have conversations and I don't make it weird. And I ask questions and just normalize it. It's not that big of a deal, guys. We got yeah. bigger things we're worried about here. Um, we're, we're still in a pandemic for Christ's sakes. That's so true. Uh, we're getting right back in the middle of one here now. The other thing I would say is um, as a parent, I really feel like, you know, as parents, we're really accepting of kids that want to try Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, soccer, football, baseball. So in that regard, if we are really open to kids having those different experiences when it comes to recreational activities, I feel like we need to give them levity when it comes to their personal identity, their gender, and even, you know, like what their preferences are about who they're attracted to. Because again, you know, we can't use our external, you know, lens to to then expect them to see through that same lens. And so again, you know, if, if all of those things are fine to let your child explore and figure out what they like, then why can't we give them that opportunity as, as children to do that when we talk about gender and, you know, their, their preferences. So how about you, Michelle White, do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, the, you know, the best thing I felt I did this week after having a rough time with, you know, my parents not understanding. And this is probably the first of many, but I had the conversation. I'm like, you know, how you treat my child now is going to affect your relationship the rest of their life. You know, if you don't accept them when they're expressing themselves or exploring something, you're going to lose that, you know? And so it's important to be accepting now of who they are, even if it's not something they'll be the rest of their life, or if it is just be, you know, even if you have different opinions, keep those to yourselves, maybe learn, educate yourself. And hopefully we can get through this and come on a, you know, even keel where you guys can accept my child for who they are. Yeah. It's like, you know, um, I tease that, you know, the biggest disappointment, I think my mom would say that she has in me is, is that I, I don't share her same political views. And for her, that is just like the worst case in the world. I think if I told her that I was gay, she would accept that a lot more than my personal political, like how I vote. Isn't that funny? So it's, but you're absolutely right. And it's very fluid too, because of course they're young people and they're exploring. So we don't know what the end is going to look like. Although I would certainly hope regardless of what that looks like, we can be supportive of them through their life because that's really what needs to happen. So how about you, Michelle Johnson, any final thoughts? Hopefully we don't lose you, but don't worry. Anna can 
splice all of this together to make it look like we never lost you a single moment. I will say I agree with Angela 100%. Kids on the spectrum are very direct and uh, don't sugarcoat anything. Don't beat around the bush. Just be direct because that message can get lost if we're trying to soften up what trying to say for kids especially on the spectrum you have to be just very very direct and don't be afraid to have those conversations this is a child that we carried for nine months that we you know brought into this world to love and help grow and to have those direct conversations and accept from them for the person that they are is a part of that process and if we can be accepting then they won't be scared to be the person that they are moving forward Yes. And I will tell you, that's a really good point because here's the thing we want to, we want to raise young people that can be accepting of all people. And we're normalizing differences because we're all individualized. We all are different and we need to embrace our uniqueness. And so I think that by us modeling this for young people and showing that we accept you and we want you to help, we want to help you figure this out and just be who you want to be. They're not going to grow up to be those angry people that only want want everybody to see it from their perspective and you know, and this is the only way. Um, as as John likes to point, our, our our saying in our house right now is because we love Mandalorian. Is this is the way? Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so that's the thing. He says we don't want we don't we really don't want that. This is the way um, behavior. So I, I think we're all working towards that. And I, I'm really thinking that we're going to have a bright tomorrow. And so my hope is is that that group of people that are very rigid in their thinkings because everybody around them had been rigid. Hopefully, we don't have as many. We have more flexible thinkers, I'm hoping, when as we raise these young people to launch and become young, um, you know, members of our society. So that's my hope. I mean, I don't know, maybe you guys disagree, but I think I speak for all of us that that's we're all crossing our fingers that we're doing all the things that we can do to help them be those free thinking, accepting people. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up this episode of Isaac's Autism and Wild podcast. And I thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. And that's it for now. If you want to be notified of our next podcast release, be sure to hit subscribe. And just remember, we're all in this together. So find your tribe and hold them tight.